0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: The Cincinnati Reds gave Hunter Green a massive vote of confidence and are showing faith that he can take the next step this year. We'll tell you why they did it and why at least one of us thinks it's the wrong call. We've got all that and a whole lot more on today's aloha friday live edition of the locked on reds podcast hit it jeff you are locked on reds your daily cincinnati reds
0: podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day we are live and welcome in to the locked on reds podcast uh, my name is jeff Carr. that's steven offenbaker and we are lifelong cincinnati reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team into information for you i want to thank you for taking time out of your day to talk some reds with us because we love talking reds with you we encourage you Hit us up down here in the comments section here on this live edition of the podcast. Make sure you drop a question, drop a comment, drop a thought as we talk about Hunter Green as the opening day starter for your Cincinnati Reds because talking Reds is what we do and we want to talk Reds with you. Plus, Lockdown Reds is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day and on a day like today, we're going to start with that we're going to roll into some conversation about tyler stevenson and the value of the catcher position coming up here in a little bit but the big news dropped yesterday after a brilliant start really for hunter green in spring training he is going to be the opening day starter which may i say first off steve i was right
1: Oh my God. All right. First off, I'm I'm putting a, a disclaimer, a big, bold announcement at the beginning of this conversation right now. I think Hunter Green is a great pitcher. I think he's pitcher 1B. He very well could pass the other guy that we're going to talk about at some point. I love Hunter Green, but I have thoughts about why he should not have been the opening day starter.
0: It's fair, and and like like I said, this was some, a conversation we've had throughout the offseason and through spring training, which, honestly, I did think this was a little early for the announcement, but I'm happy about it because it's the Reds are showing they believe Hunter Green is ready to take that next step. But make no mistake about it, I'm not saying that he's miles ahead of Nick Lodolo, but I see the improvement, and I see the ceiling for Hunter Green, or maybe I don't, because it's way up there, and it's super, super high.
1: So here's the thing, Jeff, the, the, the start on opening day isn't really about any of that. Typically starting on opening day is usually your best guy, but it also has a lot to do with last year. It's usually the reward for the guy that was the best pitcher last season, if he's still on the team. That's generally how this goes. And Scott Feldman would like a word. And if you use that metric, if you use that measuring stick, the opening day starter should be Nick Lodolo. Uh, I get that Hunter Green has the the hundred mile an hour average major league record throwing of fast fastballs. I get it. I get that he's electric. I understand that he's going to continue to improve and get better. And mixing in this change up now, he's going to be pretty deadly to the batters. I get it. But Nicoladolo was the better pitcher last year. We talked about this when we did our presentation on wins above replacement. When we talked about war, it, it clearly illustrates that over the course of the entire season last year, Nicoladolo was better. Now Hunter Green came on at the end and his numbers improved. And it was a lot closer than any of us thought it was going to be. But still, it was Nick And I think you have to reward that. I think you have to let him be the opening day starter. And I mean, honestly, I think right now opening day is not sold out. I think that the Reds want it to be sold out. And I think by naming Hunter Green the opening day starter with all of the other opening day festivities and the parade and everything else that happens in Cincinnati surrounding opening day, putting Hunter Green in that spot is the best move for the Reds to try to get that sellout. I think that's really what it's about. I'd be intrigued, and maybe
0: this is really more of a uh, question for those in the comments section for you guys to have your own discussion. Maybe we'll discuss this on a later show. This isn't part of our plan, but is he is Hunter Green the most marketable player on this team? I think there's an, am- an argument to be had there. And before we jump back into the Lodolo-Green conversation, I did want to point out like Hunter Green gets it. He understands what this means for him. And he's, he had this to say about it. He said, quote, it means the world. It's a huge honor considering the history in Cincinnati, the success they've had in the city. I take a lot of pride in it. It's a huge honor, especially with the rest of the talent in the starting rotation. And, and, and he acknowledges Nick Lodolo. He acknowledges the history of it. He also had another quote, and I forgot to put this in the rundown, but he, he talked about, he's just like, we want to win as much as the fans. We understand where everybody is with this team, we understand that, you know, we're kind of up against it as far as public perception goes. But a lot of this I think has to do with, they probably had the competition of Hunter Green-Nicolodolo in their minds coming into spring training, but I think Green was favored. And I think that they wanted to see if he had taken that next step with his changeup. And I love the fact that you know yesterday it was on display four inning shutout baseball. I think there was only a total of four base runners altogether for the Cubs, and he had this to say because it's been noticeable that he's worked on his changeup in the spring training. I want to be one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, as I watch, you know, Scherzer, Degrom, Verlander, uh, Sandy, all those guys, uh, they take a lot of pride in their secondaries, and their secondary pitches are just as impressive as their you know their high velocity. So. Um, I've, I've recognized that. I know that I'm aware of it. Um, and just trying to build on that as much as I can, I mean, as best I can be. He knows what he needs to be good. And I absolutely love that. I think that he is an easy guy to follow on this team. If you're a player that is coming up on this team, in this organization, and you are teammates with Hunter Green, you know who you're going to follow.
1: I have a couple of things to say about. What you just had to say. Uh first off, I think the Reds decided that Hunter Green was going to be the opening day starter before camp ever even began. I think they had already made that decision. They were waiting for a uh, appearance from Hunter Green like the most recent one in order to make the announcement. I mean, so that so that the narrative fits. Um, now all that being said, I'm done poo-pooing this. Um, I've said my piece about Nick Lodolo Hunter green is the opening day starter. So I'm getting on board the train. I want the reds to go out and sweep the pirates. And that starts with Hunter green winning on opening day. Uh, you and I are going to have our butts in the seats. We'll both be there. So, you know, I'll be one of the guys screaming loudest for Hunter green. So I, I again, I don't want to confuse this with, you know, dislike of Hunter Green. I just really think Gladolo earned his way, but, you know, I'm all in on the Reds winning as much as possible. So, you know, go Hunter. Uh, What he just said in that clip combined with his quotes about starting on opening day, you know, clearly his head's in the right space. He understands what opening day means in this city and opening day means a whole lot more in Cincinnati than it really means anywhere else. No other place in baseball treats opening day the way that Cincinnati treats opening day. So I'm glad that Hunter gets it and and watching him work that change up uh, over the course of the spring and especially in that last start, uh, I think it's coming together and I just can't imagine being a batter in the batter's box, having to get set quickly now with the, the timing rules. And and then having to guess whether or not the ball that's coming at you is going to be moving a hundred and three miles an hour or in the eighties, and I just I don't know how you get your timing. I don't know how you get your balance. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be very difficult to deal with for any hitter throughout the course of twenty twenty three and beyond. I, I've been fine. I've been trying to find like you know everybody
0: talks about debate shows nowadays, and they want you to be contrarian and i've been trying to find a way to vehemently argue against you and tell you that you're wrong about nicoladolo but honestly if they would have chosen nicoladolo i would have supported that too and i would have said yep you're right because you picked nicoladolo but at the end of the day both of these guys are just so good and it's it's picking between good and great or great and greater or goodest no, and gooder or whatever a it is. and b
1: it's one yeah. a one b whatever order you put them in you're not wrong yes it's it's a wonderful problem
0: to have for the reds and this is why everyone including you and I are so bullish on their chances of surprising people this year, as long as these guys are healthy, as long as the top, and I include Graham Ashcraft in this conversation as well. As long as the top three guys are there, this team's got a shot because pitching is what wins you ball games. And I, I, I love the fact too. And, and there was a little bit of mention, cause we talked about him developing his change up and how, I mean, that's a huge thing. We, we, we talked all off season. If he could do that, he's taking the next step. But Charlie also mentioned in his article about Hunter Green that he has developed two kinds of sliders. wasn't really something that a lot of folks were talking about last season, but that was at the end of the year, whenever he was having that nice stretch where you know he's got a he's got a horizontal slider and he's got a vertical slider, and then the changeup also breaks differently from those. So he's really got four pitches now. Like we're talking about a dude who's got a shot, and and we're going to mention it here in a minute, but. I don't know, man. Dark Horse for the
1: Saiyan. I like that. Do you do you know who was mentioning that that's that's very interesting because if you go back to the interview that i did with chris welsh at the end of last season that's true he did he said that exact thing that for a pitcher to be really honed in general. he had to be able to throw his breaking pitch mm-hmm. so that he had at least two that that broke differently uh that that's you know chris was on it maybe maybe chris knew something we didn't know at the time and he already knew that hunter was going to be right. working on this pitch because that's exactly Exactly what Chris Welsh said during that interview. So uh, I know one thing's for sure. Uh, the Reds are confident that Hunter Green is going to be able to take that next big step in 2023 and become a dominant pitcher in this starting rotation. Well, Jeff, the Reds were uh, also smart to create multiple ways to get Tyler Stevenson on the field in 2023. And there's been some pushback in our comment section and throughout Red's country about that plan. We're going to get into that coming up in just a minute. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about one of the sponsors of today's podcast built bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you gotta try a built bar. With built, healthy actually is tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you. They're perfect for maintaining your diet goals and your health goals and, and giving yourself a treat without uh you know putting on 15 pounds doing it. I'm not sure how built does it, but these bars taste just like candy bars while maintaining amazing statistics. And you know how much we love stats here, we're a baseball show. Uh, what's even better is they're healthy. Uh, with these stats, they are only 130 calories. They only have four grams of sugar. So if you're doing the keto diet, these guys work for you. Uh, and they have a whopping 17 grams of protein packed into every single bar. And now you don't have to wait around your mailbox to get a box of built bars for years. We've been telling you to head over to built.com to place your order. And those built bars would come in the mail, but now you can head down to your local Walmart or Sam's club and pick up a box today. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. Just drooling. I said puffs. Uh, if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and you can grab a 13-bar box with some of the hit flavors like brownie batter and churro, which is my personal favorite. Get a box today. You can thank me later. Coming up on Monday show, we're going to go dig into uh, Red's history a little bit. We're going to talk about how Babe Ruth was almost a Red. We're also going to talk about that and other missed opportunities in time by the Cincinnati Reds, as well as get you caught up on all of the weekend action from out in Goodyear, Arizona during spring training. But right now, what we're going to talk about is Tyler Stevenson, Jeff, because, uh, the Reds announced their plan for him very early. They, they outlined David Bell outlined exactly how Tyler Stevenson was going to be used. And it was something you and I had been saying for the better part of all of last season, after the injury sideline, Tyler Stevenson for the rest of the year, I think this is how the Reds should handle him. Uh, but there's been some pushback and the amount of pushback has actually surprised me a little bit uh, enough that I wanted to talk about it. You wanted to talk about it. There's a there's a school of thought out there that by doing this, the Reds are carrying three catchers, which means that they're giving two roster spots to Tyler Stevenson. Now, if you try and kind of follow the logic that's being presented out there because they're carrying the third catcher, they're not carrying another hitter. So Tyler Stevenson being in the lineups, tying up two spots. Uh, I'm just going to, I don't know how to do this nicely. No, that's wrong. That's not what's happening. Tyler right. Stevens is not tying up two roster spots. Uh, what the Reds are doing is maximizing one of their top two, three best bats that they have. And they're getting that guy in the lineup five to six days a week. Does that mean somebody else is not playing? Yes. Does that mean that the final spot on the bench that would have been like a utility infielder type of guy that wouldn't play a whole lot and wouldn't bring you a whole lot now is in Louisville and you've got a third catcher there. Yeah, that's what it means. But in what little bit of drop off you may get offensively from that spot, you get a dramatically increased Statistical improvement from Tyler Stevenson playing all of these extra games and in game you give David Bell more flexibility to pinch hit and move guys around and play all of these moving Tetris pieces that the Reds are going to do with their lineup and have the extra catcher available to make the pinch hit moves and make the switches and not run out of catchers or not be stuck in the ninth inning with you know Luke Maley batting when you've got somebody else you can use for fear and not do it for fear that the game will go extras and you won't have somebody to catch this gives a lot of flexibility i think this is great for the lineup and for the roster jeff i'm not seeing the negatives that other people are seeing no and i think
0: the important thing here is that you know the idea that if tyler stevenson and one other guy split catching duties that means that tyler stevenson is coming out of the lineup one maybe even two times a week and that is a lesser version of the Reds lineup because the best version of Tyler Stevenson and the best version of the Reds is when he is in the lineup as much as possible, period. The, the, the question for me, and, and you framed it very well, the last guy on the bench is really what we're talking about here. Would you rather have, and, and let's use a guy who we've talked about before as a possible dude who doesn't make the roster because of this setup, would you rather have Alejo Lopez on the roster and being the last guy on the bench with Tyler Stevenson possibly being out of lineup one to two times a week or Tyler Stevenson being in the lineup five to six times, maybe even not having an off day, but one or two times a month
1: and having Luke Mailey, um take that spot? Everyone knows how big a fan of Alejo Lopez I am. And I say, sorry, Alejo, we're going with this plan because yeah. the, what you gain from Tyler Stevenson being in the lineup almost all the time is so much more than any other fall off. And, you know, the Reds have now multiple guys that can play the role of Alejo Lopez that can be the multiple position super utility move around guy. They got a bunch of dudes that can do that now. So I don't think you're giving up that either. You're not you're not taking away anything really. I, I just Aleo Lopez if he's the last guy on this bench, that's exactly where he's going to be most of the time, sitting on the bench. It's not yeah. a needle mover as far as that last guy goes, but it is a needle mover keeping Tyler Stevenson healthy and in the lineup producing. Those are needle movers.
0: And for me that's whatever position he's playing. It's not just if he's catcher, the point is if he's in the batter's box. I don't necessarily, I mean, his his defense is fine behind the plate. But guess whose defense is also fine behind the plate? Kirk Casale and Luke Maley. I mean, they've already shown it in spring training. Luke maley has got a cannon. Might actually be, I mean, and, and we got to see more of this. I'm not ready to make this argument yet, but is he a better thrower than Tyler Stevenson actually is? So you might actually gain something defensively. And offensively, when you're talking about Luke Maley or Kirk Casale, they're going to be better than what we saw last year. I've seen some criticism as well about, you know, wow, they can't hit. These guys are duds or automatic outs. Like maybe if you look at last year for Kirk Casale, but Casale has shown power, at a great American ballpark, lest we forget. And it's not as if that was a decade ago. We're not talking about a dude who's on the last leg of his career. He's still got a few years left in that power. So I'm not looking at this as a detriment. This was for you and for me, probably our most important goal of the off season for the reds was how do they take pressure off of having to play tyler stevenson a catcher every day or every other day and this is it and they they actually completed a goal for the offseason. i mean how can we times how many times can we actually say that about this team and and be you know not saying it tongue in cheek so i'm very happy to see how this has played out and i think that this is one of the best things that the reds could have done this offseason outside of you know, just completely surprise the heck out of us and actually spend a ton of money, which they were never going to do.
1: You know, I went back and did the math when this news first broke of David Bell's plan. And it equates to Tyler Stevenson catching 40% of the time. He's going to catch 40% of the games. That means between the other two guys, they'll probably split it evenly. So you're looking at 40% from Tyler, 30% from Kurt Casale, 30% from Luke Maley. I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. But the, the trade-off from taking away probably 20%. Let's say that Tyler would have caught 60% of the time. If he only played catcher, he's going to play now in 85 to 90% of the games by doing it this way. That's a huge difference. That's just a huge amount of games for him to add up statistics and help the Reds win baseball games Uh, for me. This is a no-brainer. You have to get your best bat in the lineup. And it just so happens that our best bat is catcher right now. And, you know, I know back in the day, Johnny Bench caught 162 games and then three extra games for his church league or whatever. I mean, he was in the game all the time is what I'm saying. But those days are gone. And, And Johnny Bench will be the first person to tell you the physical toll that it took on him playing the way that he played. So, uh, you know, I like this. I, I am all in on this, Jeff.
0: Yeah. If you can extend Tyler Stevenson's career at all right now, you do it. And and that's exactly what the Reds are doing. And one other quick note, too, for anybody that's saying, well, does this shut the door on Christian Encarnacion strand making the roster or Ellie de la Cruz or Matt McClain? No, because if those guys make the roster, they're playing every day. They're not going to be the last guy on the bench that comes in as a defensive replacement or comes in once every five or six days that's not who we're talking about losing out on an opportunity what we're talking about is Alejo Lopez the Jason Vosslers of the world like guys that you're like are we really sure that they are exponentially better at the plate than Luke Maley or Kurt Casale and the answer to that is no They might be a little bit better but the Reds are not missing out by carrying three catchers here I think that the Reds if anything have found a very good strategy heading into the season. And I think that that is going to play itself out uh, as we move along. But it's just obvious for Tyler Stevenson, for the Reds, this is the best course of action. But I know this, Steve, the best course of action for us is to move into our favorite part of a Friday episode And that is the questions and the answers. I know we've got some active folks down here in the comment section today. Very happy to start interacting with all of that. I know you guys have got thoughts, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the reaction to uh, Hunter Green being the opening day starter. That's coming up here in just a moment. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about one of the other sponsors of today's podcast, and that is FanDuel. Because opening day is less than three weeks away. Exactly. We're 20 days away. From opening day cannot freaking wait best day of the year and you can pair the excitement of opening day with making every moment more by going to fanduel.com slash locked on plus new customers get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win and speaking of your first bet I was talking about this a moment ago, but hey, a dark horse, as far as odds go for the NL Cy Young is Hunter Green. They got odds on him at 50 to one right now. Trust me, that's only going to go up because we're talking about a dude that's going to catch fire. And I think he's going to be in that conversation this year. 50 to one odds on Hunter Green. Buy stock now. That's at FanDuel. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. They're the official sports book of Locked On. And sports gambling is legal in Ohio. It's been legal for a couple of months now, but the best way to put a couple of bucks in your pocket With Locked On is Locked On Bets. Each and every day, Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports gives you his best bets of the day on Locked On Bets, and that's totally free. Locked On Bets is just like Locked On Reds. It's free and available on all platforms. You can follow, speaking of all platforms, you can follow Locked On Reds on all of them, including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time checking us out, thank you so much for watching, and make sure you drop a comment in the uh, comments section. Uh, questions comments let us know where you're watching from also make sure that you're following the podcast click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you because as we get closer to opening day we're going to be with you five days a week we're going to be with you for all the big moments all throughout the season because we're locked on reds every single day steve and they can follow us on uh, twitter in between episodes you can follow us at jeff Carr with three f's you can follow steve at s Offenbaker with two f's and you can follow the show
1: at locked on reds, <laughs> did you do that whole thing without the rundown in front of you? I kind of did. That's what I thought
0: <laughs> Tab a couple of times and I got too many tabs open.
1: <laughs> it is our favorite portion of the show. Jeff, we are into the questions and the comments again for our audio listeners. Uh, most of this will come at you as a bonus episode uh, at the, uh, after this episode, but uh, for the YouTube folks, we'll do a wrap here in a few minutes for the audio guys stay here. Cause we're going to keep plowing through your questions and comments right after we do that audio wrap. So don't, Go away. So let's get right into this. And there's a great one to start things off. Uh, Chad, the quirky picker, was in the comment section before we even started today with this one, and I and I saw it while we were getting set up, and I wanted to talk about it for just a second because I think it's a great question. Uh, Chad says attendance at Great American Ballpark has been slowly declining year after year. What are some practical ways other than winning that you feel the Reds could uh, improve attendance at home games this season? Uh, I have some thoughts, Jeff, I know has some thoughts for me. It starts with the food, man. It is time to overhaul the concession offerings at Great American Ballpark. And listen, we find things we like there, and, and Jeff is a fry box fanatic, and, and we know how it goes. But for the most part, Jeff and I are across the street before the game getting tacos or doing something else because the food is just so much better out in the banks than it is at the stadium. And I know there's a, a tendency that you want to like highlight your city when you're doing – things in the ballpark for the fans but uh, for for guys coming in from out of town skyline and la rosa's is not it and i want skyline and la rosa's while i'm back in town i go to skyline and la rosa's to get it i don't need it at the ballpark i think one of the single biggest things they could do to improve fan experience get more people in is to make it an event be able to come for dinner come and have your food there come and you know be in the ballpark and have the ballpark experience for a longer period of time. That's the first thing I would change. Yeah, I know they tried that with like the whole machine
0: room thing. And now that's um, that MGM sports book, I think right now. Uh, And it's actually uh, Buffalo wings and rings instead of like the machine room. It's sponsored by an entirely different restaurant, but that's not feasible. Like we need something that kind of goes around the ballpark with us. That's why I like fry box so much. You can walk around the park and get full, eat in a fry box, but there's not enough of those options. I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. You could definitely expand that a little bit more. Um, I love the beer selection at great American. I think that for the, the couple, the handful of uh, stadiums I've been to, it's the best uh, that I have seen. And I think that that is a wonderful thing that they can do. The three to one night for me on Tuesdays is phenomenal. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Even expand that out like all weeknight games, especially during school. Like, I mean, obviously, it's not a <laughs> draw for kids, although the $1 ice cream cup is pretty cool. But while school's going on, on those weeknight games, you can be like, yo, like minor league teams get a good draw for, you know, Thirsty Thursdays or something like that. So do that with Reds games, but maybe expand it out a little bit. And I think that this team is going to get good in the next couple of years. And we're going to start seeing attendance increase, but we've also seen attendance trends be like, okay, you get good. And then the next year attendance gets good. It doesn't follow live with the standings or live with the wins and losses. So they've got to be mindful of that, that even if they do take that next step this year, they're still not looking at attendance going up for another, another season. So yeah it's got to be little things like that the the concerts are nice i know you have to plan those out way in ahead. it's not like you could just be like oh yeah by the way the who is gonna be here in two days like that's not happening but with the zach brown concert and the different things that they do that that's a big draw as well because i already know plenty of people that want to go to that game and uh you can't even tell me who the reds are playing that day i think they're playing the brewers but
1: yeah most people are just like yeah let's go see zach brown and then the last thing I think, uh, and you hit on it a little bit, but they need to go get the kids uh, while school's in yes. session. Find many more, more ways to give away free tickets to the kids because you do that, you get them to the ballpark. They have to buy extra tickets to bring other family members. It helps boost attendance, but it also creates fans. By giving those kids those ballpark experiences early and often, you create more fans. They will be back, uh, especially as this winning product develops.
0: Fun fact, one of my memories, if, if I think back on games that I've been to that, you know, aren't clenchmas or, or the home run derby or something like that, is when I was a kid, I would believe I was in eighth grade, we had a field trip to a Reds day game, and Aaron Boone hit three home runs against the Cardinals. Like, that's, it's just a memory that's always stuck with me, and I think that that would be a wise decision, like almost have like a field trip day game or something. like that.
1: I love it. All right. Dave Pemberton checks in. Dave says Williamson and Weaver have done little to impress at spring training. Who are some other serious contenders for the fourth and fifth spots in the rotation at the start of the season in our eyes, Jeff, and he's right. Neither Williamson or Weaver, has really impressed to the point where I'm starting to get a little bit concerned because I think at least one of those dudes is going to be in the rotation. So they need to get it together. As far as uh, other contenders, uh, bring me, bring me Levi stout. I think that he wants to, uh, uh he, got he blown wants up yesterday to, too. I know he did, but I think that, you know, if we're going to open up the competition, he's the next guy on my list. If it's I not think... Weaver and if it's not Williamson,
0: well, and I think that the fourth and the fifth spot in the rotation are not going to be finished products maybe until the end of the season. And maybe not at all at the end of the year, because one of the things they have to do, one of those spots has to be Williamson or Stout or a rookie, because we need to see those guys struggle. And if they struggle a little bit, that's fine. We, we cannot be the team. This is not the Reds are not in a position to be the team where if a rookie struggles one time, they send him down to triple A. This is going to be a situation where you have a long reliever ready. Maybe that's Luis Sessa. Maybe that's Connor Overton that whenever Brandon Williamson blows up early in a game and you just got to get him out of there for his own psyche, then you throw in one of those guys. You can't take them out of the rotation simply because they've had a bad spring. And no, I'm not encouraged by what I've seen from the numbers on Williamson, but there's definitely moments that I see. Okay. If he can build on that moment, if he can take that pitch, if he can take that at bat and build it out into an, uh, an actual appearance or, you know, four or five innings, something like that, then we're talking about, you know, cooking with gas. I, I think overall, we've got to be very patient with Williamson, uh, with Stout, uh, maybe later on in the season with Andrew Abbott because we're going to see good times and we're going to see bad times.
1: but We got to live with both of them. You mentioned Connor Overton, and we're going to talk about him. For the audio folks at the beginning of your bonus episode feed uh, coming up right after this show. And for the YouTube folks, stay right here. We're going to talk about Connor Overton right after we wrap this up. For the audio show, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. Uh, coming up on Monday, we're going to be talking about uh, the ghosts of Reds transactions past and how they could have had Babe Ruth plus we're going to catch you up on all of the spring training action from out in good year. Thanks for making locked on reds. Your first listen. Now go make uh, locked on fantasy baseball. Your second listen, you can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies and coverage. You can find locked on fantasy baseball, wherever you get your podcasts, just like locked on reds. And they are also available on YouTube, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. As far as me and Jeff go, we're going to keep uh, scouring the transactions, the rumors and the waivers, and we'll report back to you and keep you locked on reds every single day. Hey,
0: prime members. You can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.